the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. The year is kicking off with a bit of a bang. Um, We've had... Was it 11 weeks out of 12 now that have been winners? Feels like that's a little bit too much, a little bit too fast. It feels like ugh, we're starting to hear some analysts say, look for a pullback, look for some consolidation. Now, again, I don't worry about the short term, but I'm not, I'm not afraid to look. Yesterday, the NASDAQ was up 43 basis, uh, 43 basis points. Let's remind everyone 100 basis points is 1%. So we're talking about four tenths. Of one percent, the S P five hundred was up about a third of a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down about a quarter of a percent. Um, Bitcoin was up, but then it ended up down. Not Bitcoin, excuse me. Um, small caps were up, then ended up down. I want to see small caps, mid caps, international do well this year. I want to see them beat the Nasdaq, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not changing my course. I still own the magnificent six of the seven. I don't own Tesla. Um, I have a highly concentrated position in two of those magnificent sevens that I'm using option strategies to create income and to diversify if they get called away. So far, they've never been called away and they have created income for me. If you want to talk about that option strategy, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Stocks were a little bit mixed yesterday is what I'm trying to say. Alibaba was a big winner, winner, chicken dinner, up 7.8% on reports of a stimulus package coming into the country, as well as Jack Ma and another executive buying shares, uh, a lot of money buying shares, putting their money where their mouth is. I just have never been to China, and it's really, really tough for me to own Alibaba. I don't know the government well. I don't know the language at all. I don't know the currency like nearly enough. I know when I told you that they're planning to do stimulus, that means they're printing money. And it also tells you that means they're struggling. Yes, we have learned really well that you can do awesome in the stock market when our government prints money and creates stimulus. But in the end, I just don't feel like I know enough there. If I miss out, I miss out. Yesterday, we learned that uh, Netflix is setting up the knockout punch for other streamers by starting to do a little bit more live events. Keep in mind, they've started doing some live comedy. They've started looking at sports through documentaries in F1 and NFL documentaries set in the golfing world as well as tennis. They're getting the fans to see the celebrity stars that are in those sports. They're just not paying for the packages to, to broadcast them. But now they're paying for the package to broadcast a sport that most of us realize, is it really a sport or is it physical entertainment that looks like a sport? Uh, I'm talking about Raw, WWE, SmackDown, NXT. Netflix is going to stream all those shows outside the United States. Um, but they're going to get Raw inside the United States, inside the United States, UIK, Canada, Latin America. Um, 
So the WWE Monday Night Raw is coming. That's the flagship show in 2025. So it's not here yet. They have an interesting deal that basically allows them to quit the deal after five years or extend it another 10 years or keep the regular deal at 10 years. Interesting opt-out strategy. Um, Netflix reported earnings last night, and I should probably talk a little bit about that. Otherwise, you're going to wring my neck. The stock is up big today, 10%. Uh, it's the company that we've known and grown to love through the years, starting with the mail service in the red envelopes. You would get a package of two that whenever you return them, you get two more. You can return one and watch the second one. And then on Monday, you get that one back and a new one on Thursday because you assumed like it, it was a package. It was awesome. Two DVDs or three DVDs. You didn't have to go to the video store and get the late fees. Very enjoyable. Today, Macri upgraded Netflix to outperform. They've written extensively on the upside potential for Netflix from its ad tier and password sharing plans. They've resisted upgrading the stock till now on their expectation that the ad tier would take time to generate meaningful revenue and password sharing. Transitions could weigh on the average revenue per member. It's called ARM, A-R-M, average revenue per member. There's things like ARPU, average revenue per user. Those are metrics that my world lives by. Both of those things went well. The... Revenue sharing, um, I'm sorry, not the revenue sharing, but the ad tier has gone really, really well, and the password sharing crackdown has gone really, really well. The ad tiers are largely incremental, not switching down from paid plans, and after adding 29 subscribers in 2023, Netflix entered 2024, expecting to now grow the average revenue per member. This, in turn, boosts the transitions. Um, it boosts their revenue and earnings during those transitions. It should help accelerate the year, and the bigger Netflix gets, the more other studios want to license their content. They're spending $17 billion. They're spending more on content this year than Disney. And when you think about that, and you think of Disney as superheroes, movies that are expensive, you think of them as Star Wars movies that are expensive, Star Wars shows that are expensive, superhero shows that are expensive, um, you go, wow, they've really arrived. Um. So is this company expensive? Absolutely. So the way I look at Netflix is I would like to buy it when the stock market goes down or when it goes down. Um, I like to accumulate great companies that dominate their business, that have total addressable markets of 100 million to 1 billion plus. Um, because if they raise prices a buck or if they get 10 cents more per commercial, it all goes to their bottom line or has potential to go to their bottom line. Um, is that a no brainer? I don't think it's a no brainer because it's been around for a long time and let's face it, people know about it. It's not exactly a secret. Um, but yeah, if I were to say, do I want to own Disney who owns ABC? Probably not. That's a, a network that's in decline. When was the last time I watched an ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox show? I don't. When I do watch products that are on there, I watch them online on YouTube. So typically three or four nights a week um, after the kids are down and things like that, I'll turn on YouTube and I'll watch uh, Jimmy Fallon's or Jimmy Kimmel's and um, you know, I'll watch the monologues of shows and then go to bed and I don't need to see the guests. I don't really care about the guests. When I was younger, I was like, oh, let's see Paris Hilton talk about our puppy. Uh, but I'm not younger anymore, so I don't care about that stuff. 
So I think Netflix is a media play for me, and I think Google's YouTube is a media play for me. I think Google's YouTube TV is also a media play that is one-third the cost, ultimately, I believe, versus the cost of having cable TV in my home. Netflix now has 260 million paid subscribers, a new record for the service. The subscriber growth easily tops the expectations. Earnings were $2.11 per share. Um, revenue was $8.83 billion. A uh, lot to like about Netflix's numbers. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I have a big event called The 7 Steps Retirement Readiness. February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, 6.30 to 8.30 at the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park. Um, you still have time to sign up. CFP Chad Burton's going to be talking tax, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. Um, I'll be there a couple hours before the event. If you want to meet, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Sign up at robblackshow.com. I'm probably only going to be doing two years, maybe 23 more months of live events. Just forewarning you. That's my expectation. We'll see how it plays out. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Sign up today. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Show dedicated to getting your retirement. I'm more of a wealth accumulator. CFP Chad Burton is more of a wealth manager. I like talking investing but i'm not against talking insurance let's talk insurance real quick buy term life invest the rest term life is the cheapest life insurance you can get whole life you don't need for your whole life um i needed term life until i basically hit 50 but i have it until i hit 60 the idea there is you replace what you can't afford to lose your income from age 20 to 60 and 60 is the magic number twice now in this conversation you earn income. That's basically, right? You That income goes to service your home, your mortgage, your rental, your home uh, rent that you might have, your cars, your vacation, your income services, uh, a big wedding maybe. Maybe it services having kids and paying for their college. If I died at 61, the idea is all those things have already been serviced. Again, basic idea. It's not you know written in stone here. Um, but I only have term life from 20 to 60, and then I don't have life insurance. I had a um, family member that he died at 92 and his wife died at 95, and they had whole life insurance that for 35 years, the kids got, their kids turned 20, and then they were like 55 when they died. So they died at 92 and 95, and the their children who the life insurance was meant to go to, they were already adults and already established and already wealthy. Um, so you ended up paying for a whole lot of fees and commissions for life insurance you didn't ultimately need. Term life is the best. Uh, I don't like uh, whole life because you don't need it for your whole life. By the time you turn 77 or 90 or 85, you've accumulated enough assets that you don't need that big payout. Um. Now, if you buy term life from age 20 to 60, the only way you win, or I'm sorry, if you buy life insurance from 20 to 60 is if you die in your 50s. Not many of us do. If you die in your 40s, you hit a grand slam on that insurance product. If you die a month after you take it out in your 20s, like the insurance company is like, oh, this looks shady. We're not that stupid. So I buy term life for the term that I need it. 
Now, why don't I like variable life? Because variable life is a little bit of investment and a little bit of insurance and you pay for both. So with term, you get the cheapest product out there. You're not likely to die before 60. The insurance company is going to win. But in the event that you do, your, your heirs aren't stuck with a financial burden. You picking up what I'm putting down? Buy term, invest the rest. That's what every smart financial planner does in the industry. The ones who don't are typically trying to get commissions because they're not very good at financial services. So this is a show that we'll talk insurance, right? I've got a lot of car insurance on if I rear end a car. Um, I want the liability to be as little as possible. And I even go as far as to get an umbrella policy on top of that. Because let's say I hit a car uh, filled with attorneys. Four of them are going to sue me for hurting their neck. And they're going to go way above my insurance limits. So the umbrella insurance covers the extra above that. Now, again, what am I insuring there? I'm insuring my wealth. Because my car insurance is going to cover a normal accident. But the fear of having someone hitting a, a car full of attorneys, it could wipe out all of my wealth. I don't want that. You see what I'm saying? Uh, you get healthcare insurance. When you're young, you're probably not going to use it. And you're going to say, this is frustrating. Now, if you want to forego that, it's okay by me. But if you have a heart attack, you lose in your 20s or 30s. If you get cancer in your 20s or 30s, you lose. If I were to go back in time and forego health insurance, I would invest that $150 payment every month or $200 payment or $400 payment, whatever your premiums are through your company. I would have invested it and become quite richer. But I'm not suggesting you do that because you may not be a good investor and you may hit an accidental healthcare snafu. So learn to invest what you can't afford to lose. That makes sense. I have a dog and this is unintentional, but it is intentional. It doesn't bite. I was reading on one of those um, backdoor, next door neighbors sites next door. This woman with a small puppy was at the park and a big German shepherd bit her dog. And it's assumed that both dogs were on leash. And the owner of this German shepherd fled the scene. And the woman is freaking out online. And she's like, you see, but no blonde woman with a German shepherd who goes to this park, please tell me. And she needs to pay for my dog's stitches. Um, the reality of the situation for me, and this is what I love about Nextdoor. It's a guilty pleasure. I look at it and I laugh. I go, if I see a German shepherd and I have a small dog, I go, with, I, I, I cross the street. I go a different direction. There's a few breeds that I don't trust. Pitbulls, Rottweilers. Great Danes, German Shepherds, um, and small dogs. I've got a medium-sized dog, but my dog is a hunting dog, so it doesn't bite. It, it, it grabs a bird and holds it gently in its mouth. It grabs an egg and holds it gently in its mouth. Um, my dog's never going to bite your dog. My dog's never going to bite a kid. So when I had children, they'd have playdates at the house, and some kids are petrified of dogs. If you're a parent, do yourself a favor. Get your kids acclimated to uh, pets. Again, in my opinion. Um, I think it'll go a long way to stopping a dog from freaking out on your kid. Um, I had a friend bring over his like four-year-old, and the kid was just petrified of dogs. I'm like, you got to leave, dude. Your dog is freaking out my kid. Um, 
or your kid, your kid is freaking out my dog. That's what I was trying to say. You got your chocolate in my peanut butter. No, you got your peanut butter in my chocolate. Oh, listen to this. So invest to ensure what you can't afford to lose. And my dog will never get a lawsuit against me. The Chiefs playoff win over the Bills scored astronomical TV ratings. It broke the record for the most watched NFL divisional round game of all time with 56 million viewers. Ain't that something? On top of that, Dwayne The Rock Johnson received $30 million in stock awards. He was given full ownership of his stage name in exchange for joining the board TKO group, which owns WWE and UFC, who just happened to make a relationship with Netflix. Look for more Dwayne The Rock Johnson movies coming to Netflix. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big event coming up February 15th in Menlo Park at, um, it's the seven tests for readiness retirement. You can learn more by going to robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. It's Wednesday. It's my favorite segment of the podcast of the broadcast of the live radio show and stream. It is the one, the only Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com, a reliable source that I've used for, I think, 25 years or almost 25 years now um, for financial information, for financial data, for learning about IPOs, for learning about what's on the economic calendar, for learning about what's happening today and what's expected in the big picture of the markets. Patrick O'Hare, we missed you last week. The markets seem to be back in that go, go, go phase. We had a little bit of pause at the start of the year. But um, things are melting up. How are you? Hey, Rob. I'm doing doing well. Thanks. It's nice to be back with you. And yeah, you know, we are you know in that kind of happy go lucky phase right now. But um, in some respects, uh, the more things have changed, the more they've stayed the same. And what I mean by that is that uh, the year itself is is starting off with the mega caps in charge, and the rest of the market just kind of sitting idly by. Um, And I say that recognizing that the Vanguard mega cap growth ETF is up 4.8% year to date, whereas the Invesco S&P 500 equal weight ETF is down 0.7% year to date. And then you put it all together and you have a market cap weighted S&P 500 up 2.5% year to date. So what that tells us is that it's the mega caps that are really driving the performance right now. Uh, much like they did throughout the, the bulk of 2023. And what's interesting about the Magnificent Seven, I, I love and hate the financial media industry. They're now calling it like, um, they're calling it the, the Lag Seven for a while. Now they're calling it the Magnificent Six. They're kicking Tesla out. They wanted to kick Apple out and make it the Mag Five. Maybe who are the two that we add to make it the Magnificent Seven again? Financial media loves stories like this because it's, it's dramatic. Um, I'm sure I'm speaking for you when I say you probably like a little less drama when it comes to investing. You're probably a little more even keeled. You like to see things spread out. Yeah. You like to see things unfold. Um, Is that fair to say? Well, it is. And and what I really like to see is, is a true, you know, broader market rally. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we have so much concentration uh, in these, seven names, um, but you can clearly see the, you know, their influence uh, on, on the market itself. Um, you know, when you have, let's just say, 490 some odd other stocks that are just kind of 
you know, moving along, uh, not doing a lot. Uh, and then you have seven stocks that are, you know, doing their thing minus Tesla this year, I guess. Um, and you still have a, a you know, an index that's, uh, that's up, you know, for the year. So, um, it, it, it kind of introduces the idea of concentration risk here, right? So that's why it's right. really important. We're going to hear uh, from uh, these companies next week in terms of their earnings results for the December quarter. And it's uh, extremely important that we continue to hear from them that they are uh, not running into any, any problems, uh, so to speak, uh, and to continue to give us you know, a reasonably good outlook. Uh, that's really important here for these names to kind of continue to levitate like they are uh, and to continue to prop up the broader market because I think if, if we see any weakness in those names and, and in their fundamental outlook, uh, it becomes a more challenging picture here for, for the broader market. Um, and it's kind of just interesting today, you know, you see a name like Texas Instruments, um, and, and another name like DuPont, both of which are kind of talking about weakness in their industrial end markets, uh, and yet, you know, you have the market breaking out again to another record high. Uh, and that's largely because you have these mega cap names that are, are still running themselves. Um, so, um, so next week will be a really telling week here in, in, as it relates to not only the, the earnings picture, but I think in terms of the, uh, the market outlook here over the near term anyway. Interesting that you bring up fundamental and you talk about outlook and how there's a lot of big companies, a lot, not just one or two, but a plethora of companies saying things are slowing down and visibility is not as great as we would want it to be as a corporation. Um, and, but yet we're still, I think we're still talking soft landing. There's a couple of voices out there that think it's going to be a quick recession, but we're, the numbers don't show that yet. Um, what are you thinking about the fundamentals that you're hearing out there as far as um, the outlook of the day-to-day economy, the jobs numbers, the how much are we spending as uh, individuals? Yeah. Well, you know, when you look at kind of the, the state of the labor market, and even though I was out last week, you know, I was able to catch, catch sight and catch wind of the initial jobless claims number, uh, which was below 200,000 and just nowhere near anything that would resemble a recession. Uh, and one of the points we made in, in the big picture column that I write, uh, one of the points we made last year in, in talking about initial jobless claims and basically the state of the labor market itself, is if people are gainfully employed, they're, they're spending money. Um, and, and if you really want to kind of get a view into the potential for a, you know, a recession of any kind, you know, look into the labor market for that. Uh, okay. And we still don't see it. You know, um, unemployment rate still quite low uh, on a historical basis. Initial jobless claims extremely low here. And as I mentioned, nowhere near uh, a level you would see during a recessionary period. And so you have enough fundamental reason to believe in what we're seeing in the labor market that the economy can continue to, to grow here. Um, things may slow, certainly, and, and you're right, you know, there's enough um, anecdotal evidence in what we're hearing from some other companies here that things are slowing down, but you're not really hearing uh, to any large degree that things are, are you know, grinding to a halt that would make you think that a recession is imminent. And so, uh, so you can continue to espouse this soft landing view. But, uh, you know, and I think one other point to add there is that um, the market 
even though it's taking in some of this other anecdotal news and some signs that the economy is slowing, um, is at a record high because I think it sees it's trying to see its way through any slowdown and it's staring at the potential for rate cuts from the Federal Reserve. So I think that uh, the market's embracing this idea that, yeah, even if we have even a shallow recession, the Fed's going to respond. The economy will subsequently respond in a positive manner and we'll be back in a better position in terms of earnings growth. And therefore, you know, the market, you know, is, is finding some justification here to kind of trade up and through any negative uh, announcements really right now. Um, I want to take this bigger than the Magnificent Seven and see what your insights are. Um, I'm looking today at McDonald's it's sitting at all-time high, and I'm looking at Visa sitting at all-time high. So it's not just the Magnificent Seven, but they're names that everyone knows. Do you think stocks are too overbought and there's too few great choices and we're just crowding trades per se? What are your thoughts on, um, I guess, the state of the retail investor and, and where our options are? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do think that uh, we're, we're too concentrated in a, in a small group of stocks. Um, but you know, I guess as a, uh, we don't manage money at briefing dot com, so I'm just uh, suggesting that you know, as, as a money manager, and if you have a benchmark, that being the S and P five hundred, um, you you can't afford not to own those names, right? Um, but I think that you're hearing a lot about. Uh, dispersion in 2024 and the idea that there are uh, a lot of individual opportunities uh, and some good bottom-up type uh, angles you can take to to find some some better value here and maybe you know uh, a better risk reward situation that than perhaps what you see in a, a small group of stocks where there's a ton of concentration and where there can still be a you know, decent reward, but where there's a ton of risk in the event of disappointment. Um, and so that's why you know, I'm anxious to see what, you know, what we're going to see next week uh, when that most magnificent seven stocks come out and report their earnings. Well, actually, the magnificent six, because Tesla's due to report after the close today. Um, and there's a little bit of uh, there's some jitters going into that report, uh, which we could see reflected, obviously, in the stock price thus far this year. Uh, Elon Musk said he's aspirationally Jewish. I want to say I'm aspirationally the rich, world's richest man, but that doesn't make it true on either case. <laughs> um, with that said, I'm going to give you the last two or three minutes to talk about whatever you want, sir. Anything in your, on your mind? Well, we, we you know, a couple things on my mind. You know, we're going to see the personal income and spending report for December on Friday. Um, and that has, of course, the PCE price index in there that uh, the Fed watches extremely closely. It's the Fed's preferred inflation gauge. Um, you know, we continue to see disinflation, and, and the way that some assessment right now stacks up, you should see core PCE come down to about 3% year-over-year versus 3.2% previously, so moving in the right direction. Um, you know, uh, you don't want to see any negative surprises on, on these PC price indexes because it would upset the idea in the market's mind about how many rate cuts the Fed would ultimately uh, provide this year and, and, and the timing of those rate cuts. Um, so, uh, so that's a potential, you know, spoiler in the next year uh, if, if we get a, a disappointing number on that uh, PC price index. So, watching that closely, and then finally, just uh, we touched on a little bit earlier. You know, looking potentially to writing uh, the big picture this week, uh, discussing this idea about how even though you're seeing 
some signs of softness on the margin, um, that the market's willing to look through it because it still has this belief that the Fed's going to come through with rate cuts that are going to keep the economy, uh, or get the economy turned around in quick fashion, you know, if it's needed. Uh, and therefore, um, there's some confidence in the idea that you'll see a better ramp, you know, maybe in the second half of the year. Uh, and so we're not getting too overly concerned with any, you know, near-term disappointments here. That's, that I think is the market's mood right now. Um, I know, not saying necessarily I agree with it, just trying to lend some insight into how the market's behaving uh, and, and why stocks are doing what they're doing, even though you might see some signs of softness here. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. He and I have talked for 25 years on this platform. You can find him at Briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news you can use. Thank you. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Stocks making the biggest moves today. Netflix, AT&T, Tesla, eBay, AMD, and more. Let's hit some of those. Netflix is up 10% roughly. They topped analyst expectations on revenue and subscriber growth. Their paid, uh, their, their free, their advertising tier grew quite nicely is what I wanted to say, but that was easy for me to say, right? Um, and what do I mean by that? They've got over 23 million global monthly active users on their advertising-based plan. That's up from 15 million in November. Now, I'm no mathematician. Let me pull out my ca- my abacus here. November to December, one month. December to January, one more month. So in two months, they've added 8 million advertising-based plans. Now, again, that's not where they make the bulk of their money. The bulk of their money is made on the 260.8 million paid subscribers. Um, a record for the service. But that's doing pretty darn well, in my opinion. That ad tier, we didn't know what to expect. But as they get more people, 23 million, they're now able to go to Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's like, ah, we're not interested in 15 million, but 23 million, we're interested. They're able to get a Pepsi, who may even their advertiser at 15 million and able to say, you know, now that we got 23 million, we want you to pay a little extra money, a little domo at Ray me. So the increase in numbers helps. Volume, volume, volume matters. Elsewhere out there, big story stocks of the day, Texas Instruments down. It missed revenue expectations for the quarter. Company reported 4.08 billion in revenue down from $4.12 billion projected. What's interesting about this, and I don't care about Texas Instruments, it's not on my radar, they never miss earnings, like ever. That's a big mess. That's a big mess. Microsoft is now worth $3 trillion in, my, in market cap. I think they're going to be interestingly positioned to have a better next couple of years than Apple. Until Apple comes out with the AI phone. And they call it something slick like the Apple AI one. Can we kill the 15? Can we just say there's not going to be a 16? And call it the AI one. I'm in. That, that's good marketing. I want a phone that does AI. I want a phone that streams fast. I want a phone like we we are all fascinated with features and when you go from 13 to 14 to 15 better camera or like nope so i expect apple to have another big push uh, but they're a big company so is microsoft microsoft has the beauty of having an installed base of operating systems and installed base of 
um, their office products, including Microsoft Word, including Microsoft um, Outlook. And I pay every month for that. And I'll probably pay for Outlook till the day I die. And then if someone isn't watching, I'll probably pay for a couple of years after I die. I don't like the Google free mail. That's just me. Elsewhere, eBay. I have, I have too much corporate business that I can't have on a free service. eBay's gaining today. They've announced plans to lay off 9% of their company workforce or about 1,000 full-time jobs. If you were to ask me before this segment how many employees do they have, I would not have been able to come within 5,000 or 10,000. I don't care about eBay anymore. It was 1990s, early 2000s kind of investment play. It has not been very important in my life since then. And I've moved on. In hockey, you got to go to where the puck is going. Not to where it is now because it's a fast-moving sport. Investment's not that fast, but it, it has its component. Tesla reports tonight after the close. Um, they've been an underperformer. And... They're set up for a bad quarter because they've cut prices in China or in Asia and Europe. They've had some supply woes through the Red Sea of getting parts to the right place. They've had to shut down some manufacturing time. They have a CEO who I feel looks distracted with trying to fix Twitter when he should be trying to leverage the profits at Tesla. But I'll be honest with you, at $200 a share, it looks attractive. Um, if you believe in the long-term of electric vehicles and long-term of robotics and long-term of AI, he might be the guy. But then again, he made that crazy claim a couple of weeks ago where he wants more shares. He wants more money from Tesla shareholders or more control, maybe, not more shares, but usually with shares comes the control. I don't know. If I'm on the board of directors, I'm saying, is he worth this? AT&T down 4% today. They posted a mess. Forecasting lower than expected adjusted earnings for 2024. The difference between AT&T and Verizon, I feel, is pretty large. I've never gotten to know the other competitors. I probably should. AMD is a big winner today. They got an upgrade from a company called New Street Research. Never heard of them. They said that this is the best way to play data center AI chips if AMD's forecast of 400 billion addressable market by 2027 plays out. And it looks cheaper than NVIDIA. I still think NVIDIA's got two really easy quarters to justify their valuation. And at the start of the year, I told you that NVIDIA was cheap and I thought it was gonna be a $700 stock based on the next two quarters. Um, it feels like it may get there this week. It's that's how crazy it is. It's out of control. Um, I'm not going to knock it. Um, do we get there slow? Do we get there fast? I, I, I don't have the answer to that. Um, but I can tell you NVIDIA today is up again, 16 bucks, sitting at 1600 and $615. It has hit a high today of 620. So that $700 claim that I made two weeks ago when it was a $400 stock doesn't seem all that obnoxious, does it? This is a, this is nuts. Um, and for the record, it was a $470 stock when I said that, but I talked about it over Christmas as well. If you heard my last podcast of the year, uh, of note, um, the PE, it's starting to look stretched. The momentum is starting to look stretched, but I, like I said, it's got two quarters to really lower that PE again. 
And I think that's going to be important to think about as we go through earnings season. The Ford PE on a company that's growing over 20% is only 30 times next year's earnings. Not too shabby. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. What can you do at Rob Black Show? You can watch some of my videos. You can download some of my PDFs that will help you create wealth through your lifetime. Also, you can sign up for the Seven Steps for Retirement Readiness event with CFP Chad Burton coming up the day after Thanksgiving. No, the day after Valentine's Day, the 15th. That event is going to be February 15th, 6.30 to 8.30 at the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park. Seven Steps to Retirement Readiness. Learn more at robblackshow.com. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.